Welcome to Broadband Action, the Community Broadband Action Network's podcast. I'm Curtis Dean, and my co-host is John Willow. And John and I are really excited to be talking about telemedicine today because this is one of the most uh, important emerging technologies related to broadband. And of course, we're all about broadband, right? So we want to talk to two folks that are involved in um, coordinating and delivering telemedicine services in what would probably be one of the most rural areas of America, the state of Nebraska. So our guests today are Scott Raymond and David Cloyd, and they are with Nebraska Medicine. And gentlemen, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy day or your busy road trip to join us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you. Um, Nebraska Medicine, you guys are based in Omaha, but you really have a very broad uh, service mission area, don't you? Yeah, we do. We're uh, we're kind of the destination, uh, not just for folks living in Omaha, but we have people coming from all states and internationally to get services that only Nebraska Medicine can provide. Uh, as an academic medical center uh, with a full research um, capability, we have a lot of patients coming for our advanced cancer care, our advanced transplant care. Uh, so we we like to think we're the destination for uh, the most critical care in Omaha, but we also provide uh, support via telemedicine and our Community Connect program with Epic to uh, four rural hospitals in in the state of Nebraska. So we feel like we we capture more than just our catch catchment zone in Omaha, but we all all across the state and and internationally, right? So we're we're not just the little spot in in Nebraska where we're well known for our care um, all over. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Before we started recording, you shared just how widespread um, the the Nebraska medicine endeavor has become throughout the state, and uh, and how and how you put that together. Can you can you speak into that? Because I think it's really important to understand that again that we have to cast a wide net right and, and and these aren't these aren't isolated standalone initiatives and the work that you guys have done is really impressive yeah and i'll yeah. let david chime in on this one because not only is he uh heads up our community connect program but he also heads up our telemedicine programs uh that, that includes uh our home care program so our remote monitoring program so david take it away absolutely so um, from a uh, just patients that we've seen um, across the state, we've seen patients in every county in the state. Um, and if you kind of broaden that out uh, beyond just um, Nebraska, so we see approximately 90% of all our patients via telehealth in the state of Nebraska. And then the next closest, since we're uh, right on the border with Iowa, we see about 8% of patients of our patients via telehealth in Iowa. And then the remaining 2.5 or so percent are spread across the country. Um, as Scott had mentioned, we have several programs um, that are world renowned and our ability to care for patients. Um, but the vast majority of patients are from Nebraska and a lot of them are in rural, uh, rural Nebraska outside the metro area. How qualified do you guys feel, since I know you guys are the network guys, but how qualified do you feel to just touch on what kinds of services um, the medical community is able to provide um, 
to the to 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 Nebraskans and beyond. Yeah, I think we're unique, David and I. We're not just technologists or IT folks. We're both nurses uh, by background and training, um, and we're both ICU trained folks. So we we not only can can appreciate how important it is for us to provide the platforms, including the EHR to all Nebraskans, but also we appreciate what kind of care we give and what kind of care is available through telemedicine is also important to us. Uh, David and his team uh, support the platform as well as, as some of the departments. Um, so mm -hmm. David, if you wanna kind of dig in with more specifics, I'll let you uh, talk about your specific areas. Yeah, absolutely. So our, um, our telehealth program is pretty vast, obviously with the pandemic um, accelerating that, but we um, have over a thousand providers um, in our organization providing telehealth services. We have uh, 50 specialties. And then I was mentioning this earlier, but we have not just to patients' homes, but other healthcare facilities. We have 32 originating sites across the state. Wow. Um, so we are uh, pretty pretty robust. Um, not surprisingly, our number one telehealth specialty is behavioral health. Um, and then that's followed by our primary care service just by uh, virtue of volumes. But then it gets a little interesting. We have endocrine and then our bariatrics um, program has really become primarily virtual, um, and then wow. followed by a really high volume of uh, virtual care provided uh, in the derm space. So dermatology, we have some really great pioneers and um, just innovative thinkers in our dermatology program that's, that's relatively new in the organization. That's really interesting because, you know, just a few years ago, the conversation about telemedicine was it's really great for, you know, in a very limited way, right? Um, for for earaches and sore throats and, and late night, you know, antibiotic needs or things like that. And now it sounds like the like special, like specialized disciplines are figuring out ways to incorporate these telehealth services. Um, so the derm, the dermatology unit, do they then, they rely on photography, do you know, like? Yeah, so we actually enabled um, high-resolution um, pictures to be uploaded through our uh, patient portal and through our um, mobile app, so patients can complete and what we call an e-visit, um, and those get routed to a dermatologist. And that we've seen e-visits be sent across the state, um, which is really really encouraging. Uh, also, we've enabled. Um, something called an e-consult. So that's a provider to provider um, asynchronous uh -huh. modality of telehealth. So um, providers have the option and the ability to contact um, our specialists here in Omaha to provide a consult. And we actually had a, we, we still have, not just have, but we still have a research grant where we provide a tablet that has our um, platform on it where they can actually take the picture, upload it, and send that e-consult over. Um, and they've seen pretty good success both in rural healthcare as well as federally, federally qualified health centers. So we, we have a partnership with a federally qualified health center that's doing those e-consults as well for Durham specifically. 
Are you finding any broadband barriers uh, at your, not only maybe those clinics you work with, um, but even down further to that, um, are there people that just can't participate in a televisit because of lack of access or there's access there, but they can't afford it or other barriers like that? Sure. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely challenges still um, when it comes to patients being able to complete a telehealth audiovisual appointment. Um, quite honestly, a, a vast majority of the, those get converted into a telephone evaluation. So a lot of them are check-ins. So it's okay. really about care model, um, you know, evolving the care model. So when you think about um, the surgery disciplines, there's often a global period after a surgery. And um, if the, the surgeon is able to check in or the case management team is able to check in with the patient um, from an audio perspective, obviously audiovisual is far superior, but sure. we still want that point of contact as opposed to the patient going, you know, missing an appointment that they can't get to um, at a clinic physically. Um, we still want that uh, point of contact. We're getting a small amount of reimbursement where it's not in a global period, but because it's in a global period anyways, we weren't getting reimbursed. So it just it enables patients, number one, to get access to their care team. Um, and then number two, it's really like, uh, rather than having to have uh, providers traveling across long distance, just like patients traveling across long distances, it's really enabling us to save that time from both a patient and a provider perspective. Now, do you have, are the, this is, this is something that we've talked about at CBAN in, in, in some of the areas that we're serving, um, but no, I, you know, this is the conversations that we've had for regarding these broadband challenges and people having access um, just, you know, through their own connectivity. Do you, are there individuals, are there sites where someone can go to complete a visit if they don't have broadband? Like, is that a piece of the programming? I mean, I, yeah. I know kind of defeats it for if you've got a strep throat, but maybe not so much if you've had bariatric surgery. Yeah, actually we do. So that that's the originating site. So we have sites um, all across the state. Um, our largest program that has the most sites is actually our geriatric um, psychiatry group. Um, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of our um, skilled nursing facilities across the state where those services are not available in those communities. Um, I live in rural northern Michigan, and my father actually uses, um, my, my elderly father uses behavioral health services online through the, yeah. through the nursing home where he lives. So it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's actually been a huge uh, benefit to our, our um, rural health care communities or rural communities. Yeah, we, we do have a nation full of untreated um, behavioral and uh, psychological health. So anything we can do to uh, make it easier to deliver those services and maybe reduce some of the stigma to receiving those services to people, um, that's fantastic. And especially in rural areas where yeah. it's very hard. In, in C-Band's three-county service area, um, for our digital navigator program, I think there might only be one or two mental health providers in Correct. three counties. So I, I think it, so this is going to be a little bit anecdotal, but I think it's interesting to see how patients and rural communities are finding a way to get access to um, telehealth 
So for example, we have many stories where patients will show up um, you know, in a parking lot um, in their car and do a telehealth visit from their phone because they can get you know, uh, LTE or 4G or 5G yeah. in a close, a nearby um, city that they're at. Rather than having to drive six or seven hours to Omaha, they're able to go to the, you know, the North Fork or Columbus or North Platte and do that visit. What What's becoming more and more important for us in those scenarios is building those relationships and those technology pathways for the in-between care. So the patient's getting that um, online visit, but because we know the patient is um, close to Norfolk, we're able to tell them, you can go to Faith Regional and actually get those labs done without having to have a piece of paper because we have an mm-hmm. integrated system. We had talked about our community connect program that Scott had mentioned earlier and patients can walk into the lab and the lab can actually see those orders available completely independent of our health system. So they, they don't have to be the same health system, but they're on our same platform. And that's really what's driving a lot of the transformation is patients are able to walk into um, a host of different facilities across our state and get services from a service that's provided by uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center uh, physician. So so what, I'm, what I think I'm hearing is that the solving telemedicine in rural areas isn't just about making sure that every provider has the app and knows how to use it. It's carrying that then to resourcing, to resourcing um, treatments where they where they can be resourced regardless. They're they're less tied to geography because there's more collaboration. Yeah, yeah and I I would kind of describe it in this way for me. So there's kind of three layers of this cake. So foundationally, there's many I think hundreds of critical access hospitals that close every year just because they can't survive right and just the economics of it and so there's two scenarios either they become part of a a bigger health system or they simply go out of business and you've heard stories and it's been all you know on the news during the pandemic where somebody had to get in their car because their child was having um, a seizure and had to drive 150 miles to get care because there wasn't care available. So from a foundation perspective, I look at it almost like infrastructure, right? We have roads and we have bridges um, that we use every day that are supported nationally. That kind of broadband infrastructure needs to be supported nationally because we can have all the services in the world. We can connect doctors on a single EHR platform we can have every specialist available for telemedicine. It won't matter if we can't connect to the patient where they are. Uh, and we're, gonna, we're looking at more care in the home. So it, it's not just they have to get in their car and drive somewhere like David uh, explained, but how do we provide that care in their home? And if we can't provide a solid infrastructure from a network perspective in this country, we're going we're gonna to struggle going forward as these uh, critical access hospitals continue to close and you start to narrow the centers of care and they're going to be centered around big cities and big metropolitan areas. So how do we provide that care? I, I think we've created a really unique and kind of forward thinking infrastructure in Nebraska and kind of a model for the rest of the country. But again, 
the things that we put in place won't work unless that that connectivity is available. So from a broadband perspective, how as a country do we supply that to touch every patient where they are? Um, and we have we have the mechanisms from the specialties. We have the mechanisms from the experts in care, and we've put in an infrastructure from a from a platform. So we have a connected EHR, but but we can't supply that if the if the patient can't get the access. So I, I that's how I kind of look at it. And, and I I think Nebraska Medicine really advocates for that, and we we are trying to have that voice. But it, we need folks like you too, like to advocate. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs the access, and it's not just for healthcare; it's for all things. Um, that that you know, we're in a digital world, and I forget the percentage, but there's a high percentage across every socioeconomic um, group that has access to a smartphone, but it doesn't do them any right. good if they don't have access to a network, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes smartphones are are. Smartphones are amazing devices, but as we've discovered in our own work with uh, persons uh, in our digital navigator program, sometimes a smartphone can't do everything that a person needs to have it done, to, to do. Yeah, with. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's uh, there is a there's a device gap. There's a broadband gap. We could we could go all day talking about that. <laughs> but what I really want to focus on is and hats off to you guys for um, the approach you're taking, both from an internal networking as far as sharing medical records safely and you know and and with all the security that's required in that and those are big demands all the way down to supporting these other clinics so that they can deliver higher quality services than they could on their own and then of course all the way down to the person that's able to receive services through telecommunications in their home or business so uh, great job that with that yeah, and I am, I'm actually wondering, when, uh, Scott, when you were saying, when you, you, I loved your last response, by the way. I, I almost put my hand over my heart. It was so close to, it was so, it was, it was so close to the passion. Um, the, uh, but I was wondering, do, are you aware of any other states or groups around the country who are attempting something similar? Has anyone reached out to you? Are you, you know, those kinds of things? Yeah. Yeah. So. We know a lot about what other health systems are doing through um, our EHR platform. So Epic has, um, you know, a community user group uh, that we're all part of as an Epic site. They have uh, UGM, so their user group meeting, which is um, we ha- they have people from all states and from most countries now because Epic has gone global. Um, and we all get to learn from each other and we all get to share um, our experiences and best practices with each other. So there's many other health systems that have a similar program from a telemedicine perspective. There's other academic medical centers that have a similar mission. So we have education, research and great clinical care and mm-hmm. telehealth or teleeducation is part of that as well. And in Nebraska Medicine, we're, we're one of the I think, are there seven, David? There are seven regional sites um, that are supporting the federal government from a disaster perspective. We're, we're the bio um, uh, biocontainment t- center, uh, one gotcha. of those for the, for the federal government. And we have actually a biocontainment center at, at Nebraska Medicine, and the government is looking to expand that as we go into Project Next, which is our next hospital for the next um, 50 years. 
And I just came off a conference yesterday where Nebraska Medicine is looking to become one of the federal 5G hubs for the country. And so be able to not only leverage that hub for care, um, but also for education and medical education. So we could actually beam a class or beam a surgery that, that the students are learning from across the country uh, and be that hub. So the, the university and Nebraska involved in all of that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we just, we, you know, it's so exciting to see um, that um, there are a lot more stories to tell on this topic, right? I'm glad we started with you guys because it really is giving us a good uh, broad look into uh, the telemed telemedicine community. And we want to keep telling those stories because we want to, we want the average citizen to understand that there's a lot of people doing work in the background to make their healthcare delivery more efficient, more effective, more cost effective, and better. And, you know, uh, this is, these are all great stories to tell and hear about. So uh, uh, thank I want to thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you both for being on this call today. Uh, mm -hmm. Scott, we know you're on your way to a higher plane, i.e. Colorado. <laughs> so we hope you all the safest of travels. And David, you're you're just heading toward the weekend. So we'll uh, we'll we'll thank you both for joining us. So Scott Raymond and David Cloyd, you're both with Nebraska Medicine. And we've been talking about telehealth challenges and opportunities in rural America today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this edition of Broadband Action.